morning, if you would, open your Bibles to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. Dr. Weldon is away this weekend. He has the honor of baptizing his granddaughter back in Atlanta. So be in prayer for the family, and he should be back in the office uh, this, uh, tomorrow. So we're gonna, this morning we're looking at 1 Samuel 17. Uh, we're, we're still continuing in our series of making of a disciple. Today we're going to look at a disciple is empowered by God's grace. You know, we've talked a lot about being a disciple over the past few months, and today we're going to talk about how these things practically work out in our daily lives. Dale's talked a lot each week about how we cannot do these things apart from Christ, and today let's try to look at the big picture and see how all these things about being a disciple work together. A series that actually started back Towards the end of August, you might remember, with the first sermon on what is a disciple, and it was determined that a disciple is one who has a relationship with Christ through the gospel. Continued the next week into uh, a disciple has a growing assurance of salvation. A disciple loves the gospel and knows it's his only hope, and a disciple has a real burden for those that do not know Christ. A disciple loves the Word of God. A disciple lives a life of repentance. A disciple struggles to pray more. Another week it was a disciple regularly worships out of delight in God. A disciple loves the church of God. A disciple gives joyfully generously, and increasingly. A disciple loves the people of God and forgives them and deals biblically with conflict. Last week, Dr. Weldon talked about in trials, a disciple turns to God and his people and acknowledges God's goodness. Next week, he's going to conclude the, the, the series on discipleship when he preaches on a disciple faces his death with grace. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, that's uh, quite a list there, and that's a list of what a disciple is. I don't really feel much like a disciple. In fact, I don't know that I'm ever going to be a disciple. Well, if that's the way you're thinking, I invite you you to look at this text with me this morning, at the very familiar account of David and Goliath, and let's see how the, the, the proper perspective about who we are and who God is will allow us to not only be the disciples of Christ as far as learning and growing to be more like Jesus, but will actually allow us to do mighty things for God. I'm going to be reading the text as we go along this morning, so let's stop now and ask God to bless our time together this morning. Fathers, we look at your word this morning. We know it's full of truth, so Lord, we pray that you will show us glorious truths in this portion of your gospel. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. 1 Samuel 17, beginning in verse 1. And remember, this is the word of God. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. And they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes-Demim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up 
in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. There came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. That's around nine feet, nine inches. He had a helmet of bronze on his, helmet, on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of his coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze, or about 125 pounds. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron, or about 15 pounds. And a shield-bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the rank of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Then down in verse 24, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. Back in the ancient Near East, for the idea of trying to save a little bloodshed, Every now and then it would be agreed upon between two warring communities that instead of having everybody go to war, that each would send one person forward and there would be a line drawn and they would fight. And whoever won this particular fight would win the battle or the war for the other side. And as Goliath had called out here to the Israelites, the loser would serve the winning side. And we skipped over verse 16, but verse 16 says, Goliath came out every, for 40 days every day and challenged the men of Israel to send one person out to fight him. And nobody would come forward. You know, Saul looked and he saw that he had a, a giant problem in front of him. And he was, we're told, afraid and dismayed. Now, why would Saul be afraid and dismayed when he saw this giant in front of him. Well, one reason is, if you might remember when Saul was anointed king, one of the things we learned about him is he was a head taller than anybody else in all the land. And so when the Philistines sent out their giant, no doubt the Israelites were looking around and saying, well, we need to send out our biggest guy. And Saul knew that that was him. But beyond that, Saul was a leader and he was a leader that was in crisis. He did not know what he should do about this situation. Because he kept thinking, what do I need to do myself to get us out of this bad place where we are in? Do you ever find yourself in a situation where you just don't know what to do? If you do, it's very easy to become dismayed. You know, we might get dismayed when we look at the list of, of what is a disciple. And we try to 
do all of these things by ourselves. You know, trying to be the one who's always faithful to pray, to always be forgiving, to love God's people and to love His church and to love to worship and to love to give. As we look through that list, sometimes it can be a bit overwhelming. But we don't want to be dismayed. We don't want to be afraid because when we do, fear leads to paralysis, as we see here with Saul and the Israelites. Saul is scared to do anything. The real root of Saul's problem was was pride. That's the root of all of our, our, our fear, is when we don't know how to move in our own strength. You know, these were the people who God had marked out with his very name and said, I will be your God and you will be my people And they had no idea what it was that they were supposed to do when they came up against a hard time. You know, by ourselves, we can do nothing apart from God. In in Hebrews 12, though, we learn that Jesus is the author and the completer or the perfecter of our faith. Jesus not only saves but he sustains and he strengthens his people on a daily basis. We somehow seem to forget the same God who loves us enough to save us from our sin does not just leave us in our life to flail aimlessly when we have tough times come our way. Let's look at the next part of our text here and see how God works in our lives to to get us through difficult times so that we do not have to Be afraid and dismayed. Pick up in verse 26 with me. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? When the words, uh, verse 31, when the words of David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go up against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear And took a a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose up against me, I caught him by his beard and I struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. You know, David always seems to have a proper perspective of who he is and who God is. Throughout David's life, he seems to always understand that God is the center of his life and everything revolves around God. As disciples, we really need to understand this basic truth. Before we look at our text any further, let's think back 
to a few moments ago when Mark led us in, in singing of Psalm 51. Do you remember what, what David said there when he wrote that psalm after being confronted of his sin? He said in verse 4, Against you and you only have I sinned. Have you, you ever stopped to think about that? David is being confronted because he has committed adultery with Bathsheba. So he's definitely sinned against Bathsheba. And he's definitely sinned against her husband, Uriah. And he had Uriah killed, so he's definitely sinned against Uriah. Uriah was one of the leaders in his army. And he's weakened his army for his own benefit. So he's definitely sinned against his army. And the army is there to protect his people. And now he's weakened his army, so therefore he's sinned against all his people. And you think about it, it's hard to imagine somebody that David hasn't sinned against, and yet he says, against you and you only have I sinned. Well, what kind of perspective does David have to say that? Well, he understands that it was, his sin was a rebellion against God, and that's the root of his sin. And his crime injured the people of God and transgressed the social order that God had put in place. So though he maybe has sinned against all those people, he understands the proper perspective that truly it was against God that he has sinned and God alone. Now let's think about the perspective of David from the text that we have in front of us. David is much smaller than Saul, and yet he's willing to face the giant. What's the difference? Why would David be so eager to do this and Saul so hesitant? Why do we look around today and see some Christians who are so eager to do whatever it is that the Lord may call them to do, to go wherever they're called to go, to give whatever it is they're called to give, and other Christians have a hard time getting up and coming to church on Sunday? What's the difference? Well, the difference is a matter of perspective. True disciples of Christ see what Christ has done and is doing in their lives, and therefore they know what he's going to do for them in the future. And they live their lives in the light of this. David remembered the past when God had provided victory in hard times for him. Look back again at, at verse 37. David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Remembering what God has done for us is something he tells us to do often. And we have the stones of remembrance out in front of our, our church. And just like the Israelites had, had the stones of remembrance, reminding us that God is always faithful. The Psalms are filled of, of words for us to remember what God has done for us. Because God always keeps his promises. We should always Remember this, when we participate in the Lord's Supper, one of the things that we do during the Lord's Supper is we remember the, the victory that Christ has won for us over sin. And we're actually strengthened by remembering Christ's victory over our sin. David remembered that it was the Lord who prevailed for him against the lions and the bears and therefore, he was confident that God would prevail for him again. But not only did David remember the past, he had a sense of what was going on 
right then and the right then and right now. Saul and the rest of the army saw this as, as a battle against a giant. But David saw it for what it really was. It was a slap in God's face. And he was not going to stand for it. God, uh, David knew that God was on the side of his people. Therefore, David did not have any fear. He had God. He did not need anything else. We as disciples need to be aware all the time that our lives are not about our comforts. Our lives are about serving God and advancing His kingdom for His glory. When we live in the proper perspective of who God is and who we are, it casts away fear. When we start worrying about our possessions, about our retirement accounts, about the way somebody has, has treated us, then we begin to lose perspective and we begin to forget what the battle is that we're really in. We're called to be advancers of the kingdom of God. Because David remembered the past when God provided for him and because he understood the situation for what it was at the time, he could boldly speak about what was going to happen soon. He knew God would deliver him because God is always faithful. When everyone else was afraid, David had a sense of peace. We as disciples should always be striving to see that the world does not revolve around us, but our lives revolve around the triune God. When we understand this, we grow, in being, we grow into being the disciples that God wants us to be. Continue with me in verse 38. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a, a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five, five smooth stones from the brook, put them in a shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. You know, Saul wanted David to wear his armor, but the armor God wanted him to wear was just God himself. Saul wanted David to be protected by the things of this world. David understood this to be a spiritual battle and that all he really needed was the armor of God. Continue with me in verse 43. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog? Did you come to me with sticks? The Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. I'll give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all the assembly may know that the Lord saves not with the sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, 
and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly towards the, the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it, and he struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. There's probably no account in the Bible that is more misunderstood by the world and sometimes even the church than this particular account. You know, the world loves to tell the story as the little guy overcoming the big challenge. Sports announcers are the worst. Whenever a small school beats a, a large school, that's always the analogy they go to. It's a David and Goliath type of story. What we learn here is it's exactly the opposite of what most people think. This is not a story of David besting Goliath. This is an account of God bringing victory to a place where only God could. If David faces Goliath in his own strength, David's dead in a matter of seconds. That's the entire point of this account, is that David has to rely on God. The key for us living as a disciple is found for us here in verse 47. For the battle is the Lord's. You understand that? The battle is the Lord's. It's not ours. The battle is the Lord's. When we understand this in, in our heads and in our hearts, it, it changes everything for us. The death of Goliath is a foreshadowing of Christ's death and victory or victory over sin and death. Only God can deliver his people from their misery. We, we see the fall of Goliath, and we are to be encouraged that our God will overcome all things. We don't have to live lives of fear. The battle belongs to the Lord. We can be the disciples God would have us to be because we are not left in it alone. We do it through the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Through Christ, we're able to overcome the power of sin in our life. And as Paul says in Romans, we're able to crush Satan and his schemes under our feet. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him. That's Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, it'd be rather boastful to go around saying, I can do all things. That'd come across quite arrogant, if that's what we were to say. If we can say, I do all things. That's the mindset that, that the people that were building the Tower of Babel had. That's the mindset that, that Saul actually has. I can do all things until he realizes he can't. And, and so we don't want to go around making the claim, I can do all things. But as disciples of Christ, we should be anxious and excited about going around saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, because we're not boasting in ourselves. We're boasting in the Lord Jesus Christ. It makes a big difference to say, I can do all things. Or to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Now, to get an impact, what it means to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Think about what we couldn't do without Christ. You could not effectively and thoroughly know your lost condition. Without Christ, you could not have any adequate concepts of God. Without Christ, you cannot realize victory over sin. Without Christ, we would all be victims of the wrath to come. Remember what Jesus told his disciples in John 15. He says, without me, you can do nothing. So with Christ, through him, in our relationship of active faith in him, we have strength we could not have any other way. Strength to adequately evaluate ourselves. Strength to, to, to know the difference between right and wrong by properly applying God's word to our lives. Strength to be men and women of prayer. All the strength of what a disciple is, is found in Christ and Christ alone. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Last couple of minutes we have left here. Let's look at, at verse 50. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. And then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And then down in verse 54, and David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. Why did David carry Goliath's head to Jerusalem? Well, I think the answer for that is found for us back in verse 46. Remember it says, This, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I'll give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistine this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all the assembly will know that the Lord saves not with the sword and the spear, for the battle is the Lord's. David cut off Goliath's head and carried it into Jerusalem for two reasons. First reason was as an encouragement to God's people that all power is found through God and God alone. And so he carries the head in there, and everybody looks at it and says, only God could provide that kind of victory. There's no way a man could do that himself. And all God's people would be encouraged. And the other reason was so that all the earth would know that there is a God in Israel. It's actually evangelistic that David does this. He carries it around, and people will say, Whose God is that powerful that they can do that? that? That victory can be won over that type of giant. That's a God I want to serve. That's why David carries the head of Goliath into Jerusalem. Saul was afraid and dismayed over the circumstances in his life. David, though, had the proper perspective that God is always working on the behalf of his people. David, relying solely on the power of God, 
brought glory to God, and he encouraged God's people. As we consider what it is to be a disciple, we find ourselves being called to do more than what we think is possible at times. As we go through our life, we, we will have hard times. We, today, we've seen two responses to the same problem. One failed to remember God was present. One only went forward because he knew that God was present. I encourage you today to go forth and remember the battle is the Lord's. Let's pray together.